You are now listening to The Shyest Podcast, when millions of opinions just aren't enough. Raiders choked away their season on Thursday Night Football, but it was Baker Mayfield with his hands on their throat. And now, it's the Pick'em Show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's the Pick'em Show. God, my levels are so high, I gotta turn that down. Before I blow everybody's eardrums out, I'm joined in studio once again by my partner on this show and in life, Kristen Ortiz. She's back. Say hi. Hi, babe. Hi. Hey, thanks for having me back. Uh-huh. I bet people <laughs> thought we broke up. They're like, oh, man, she hasn't been on the show for a while. She uh, she left his ass because he spends too much time with football. No. No. Not yeah. possible. Your levels are always so low. The music is also very loud. Well, yeah, that's why you wear the headphones, so you can compete. You know where your vocal <laughs> range has to be in order to talk over the music. Oh. Oh. Anyway. Uh, <clears throat> there is some new stuff on deck since you've been away. Mm-hmm. I've had to make do with running the show by myself, but I still want to incorporate some of those things because I like them. Okay. Uh, and, I mean, basically everything still functions the same. Start the show, say hi, uh, then we do the Thursday night football wrap-up, and then move in to the picks, and we just uh, we structure it a little bit differently to keep on track time-wise and try to get the show under an hour. So, are you ready for this? Yep. All right. After review, the results of the play is first and 15. All right, so we got 15 minutes. Do you have a clock up? I don't know that we'll need 15 minutes, but I did end up talking about the game. Just I know you have your clock app yeah. up because you're going to be the timekeeper mm-hmm. now. You got a clock. You got to put 15 minutes on there. Okay, you had said two. So. Well, two is for the second part when we get okay. to that. Ready? Yep. All right. <clears throat> We're off and running. We got 15 minutes. We're only three minutes into the show. We'll be fine. Um, that Thursday game, though. My goodness. It's the second game back-to-back because it was the Monday game between the Bucks and the Saints. Yep. That was 16-3 in the fourth quarter. And we're sitting there watching that game, too. Like, all the Saints need to do is kick a field goal here, and this game's over, and they just couldn't get that field goal. And the Bucks just hung around and hung around and hung around. And here we are on Thursday, and it's the same shit. Raiders... Like, domination is a strong word, but through the first half, the Raiders basically dominated the game. The Rams didn't do anything. They had John Wolford in to start the game, and I wasn't sure what they wanted to do with Baker. I wasn't sure if he was going to play. As I had previewed the game, you know, I was like, well, if the game gets out of hand or if things aren't going well, they can go to Mayfield because they have nothing to lose. And, of course, I picked the Raiders, and they're a cursed team, and now the curse is back. I thought I had it lifted last week. 
I had gotten Raiders, Falcons, Broncos, and Packers all right in the same week, which has not happened, I don't think, maybe since the beginning of the season. But the Raiders start off, uh, they're up 13-3 at the half, and then they punted a couple times, I think, before they kicked the field goal in the second half. But then it was just like the wheels started falling off. And so I, I was looking at a couple of things at their series in the second half, and they had five drives in the second half, uh, but they started three and out, three and out. And on those two drives, they had zero passing yards. Uh, Derek Carr was over two. On the drive that they ended up with a field goal, they ran the ball, what, six times for 27 yards, threw it four times for 11 yards. So Carr was two of four for 11 yards. And then he went zero of zero on the next drive and zero of zero. Well, zero of one, I guess, technically on the next drive because he threw a pick on that last play. And there was also the pressure play. I think it was in the first half where Carr had gotten bumped when they were in the red zone. It was just kind of awkward, got hit by one of his own linemen and just kind of threw a floater. And one of the Rams defenders just made a hell of a play on it, came away with the interception. And that was enough. They didn't score there. So that little, even if they kicked the field goal there, the game would have been out of reach when they kicked their field goal in the second half. So... It was just like everything had to line up for them. And like I said, I'm happy for Baker. I mean, like it sucked what happened to him in Cleveland. I've never even been a huge Baker Mayfield fan. Like I, I thought that he hit his plateau in his first season and like that was as good as he was going to be. And that's been the case. He's never played as well as he did in his first year. Um, but he still knows how to be a leader. He still knows how to you know, rally guys behind him. And you saw him headbutting guys on the sideline with his helmet off. So definitely like adding to his CTE, um, a kid, <laughs> but it just like, he's, he's a football player. And, you know, he said that in the post game interview where he's just like, I just love playing football. So I think he's happy for the chance to be able to get out of a situation like Carolina, where he wasn't going to start anymore and end up in LA where Stafford's basically shut down for the rest of the year. Uh, he's got a neck injury, was dealing with concussions. Like there's no need to bring Matt Stafford back and Baker's not going to take the starting job next year. But what he can do is he can play the rest of the season as the starter for the Rams. And he was out there with the B team for like, realistically, the only guy that really got starting snaps uh, with Stafford and Cup and Robinson was uh, guys on the O-line a little bit of Cam Akers, and uh, Ben Skoranek. So aside from that, it's like Tutu Atwell, Brandon Powell, uh, Cam Akers, who finally like showed some signs of life, playing teams that don't have a run defense. And like it was just philosophy-wise, the Raiders, I don't know what they were doing. Because in the second half, they had the lead. It kind of felt like the game was maybe over, and they were just trying to make the game end. And they weren't trying to like win. They were just trying to get out of there and like stay healthy because they just kept giving the ball to Jacobs, who had a good game. He had 99 yards rushing. Uh, he had more than that, I think, uh, total scrimmage yards. But in the second half, you know, they go three and out and three and out to start the second half. And they only run the ball three times on those. And there was a play late as the game is getting dangerous. Like the Raiders are essentially just waiting for the game to end the Rams are still trying but you know you're up 10 in the fourth quarter there then eventually up 13 
And that's a two-score game, so the Raiders, they're not really worried. But then they're not playing like they're trying to win either. So by the time that they actually had to like get out there and put a drive together, they couldn't do it. And they end up in their own territory. They're faced with a third and one. They're at their own like 30, I want to say. Somewhere, somewhere deep in their own territory, but they, they get to a third and one. They hand it off to Jacobs and Bobby Wagner makes a great play and they don't get it. And it's like, all right, well, that's, Bo- that's what Bobby Wagner does. But you have Josh Jacobs. Uh, he leads the league in scrimmage yards. He leads the league in rushing yards. He is averaging 160 rushing yards a game over the last three games. You have one yard in your own territory at the two-minute warning, and you're up by six. If you get the first down, the Rams have no timeouts, and you're inside two minutes, game's over. They elect to punt rather than go for it on fourth and one there. And I like philosophy-wise, you're deep in your own territory, so if you don't get it, right, you give the Rams the ball in field goal range with two minutes. So as I'm thinking about that sequence, the more I think about it, the more the Raiders should have gone for it there because what ends up happening is they punt the ball and it's a great punt and it goes down to the two-yard line. So the Rams have to go 98 yards in two minutes with no timeouts. But two minutes is a lot of time in the NFL and if you hit a couple of big chunk plays, you get out of bounds, like two minutes is a lot of time. Uh, And for a guy like Baker Mayfield, who's played in a lot of big games and has not, you know, shied away from those kind of moments, it it wasn't something uh, that he couldn't do. It was just more impressive that he had only been with the Rams for two days. You know, he got picked up on waivers on Tuesday, and then he studied the playbook flying in to the facility, and... In previewing the game, I'm like, yeah, he might play, but realistically, like, he's had no time to pick up the offense, so, like, how how down and how bad do the Rams have to be feeling to, like, just move on to him when Wolford knows the system, has played well in moments, actually almost won the game last week, so they got off of Wolford really early in the game, which was interesting. I think they're only down 3 nothing when it happened, uh, and they immediately moved to Baker, and they give him a lot of time, and he struggled in the first half, but in the second half, he looked great. And on that last drive, I have no fucking idea what the Raiders' defense was doing. Um, And if you look at, like, Josh McDaniels, who's kind of been on the hot seat for underperforming with the Raiders all year long, people were saying that he should have been fired. And then they win three in a row, and he kind of keeps them in playoff contention. Um, After what happened in this game, that whole staff needs to get fired. Because them losing that game was absolutely atrocious. And like I said, I'm happy for Baker. Congrats to the Rams for making it a game that uh, got so ugly that they compromised the Raiders in the process. They deserve credit for that. But at the same time, like the Raiders choked that game away because you get to that last drive. They first of all, they pin the Rams at the two with no timeouts and then they just keep playing press coverage and the Raiders secondary cannot stay with anybody. So it's basically Crosby and Jones getting a pass rush and if they don't get a pass rush the receivers are wide open and so baker was just hitting out routes and so it was like okay here's 10 here's nine stop the clock then crosby and chandler split a sack they come away with a sack huge play that loses like nine yards ten yards and then uh jerry tillery 
in the middle of the defense, picks up an unsportsmanlike penalty for knocking the ball out of Mayfield's hands after the sack. So it's a delay of game, which is unsportsmanlike. So it's 15 yards, and it stops the clock. Next play, 32-yard gain to Skoranek, and Skoranek made a fucking fantastic catch on this play. Similar to the Bucks game, where Julio Jones had to come down with the, just a ridiculous catch in order to keep the drive going. And I think they just seized the moment, and they knew that the Raiders were playing scared, and they weren't afraid. And the one thing, as I was writing about the game, I'm like, what can I say about the Rams that's going to, like... Like, if you're a Rams fan, like, how do they win this game? And the one thing I could come up with is, like, they have the freedom to fail. Like, there's no expectations for them in this game. And there's nowhere to go but up. Like, they've lost six in a row. So if they lose, every, everyone's expecting them to lose. And the Raiders expected them to lose. And I think what ended up happening is the Raiders expected them to quit. And I think if John Wolford was in the game, they might have quit. But because Baker was in there... He wanted to win. It was like, it's a national spotlight game for a guy who just came in here uh, on two days notice. And he's coming in here and playing with the B team and like Tutu Atwell open all day long. Uh, Brandon Powell didn't play as good of a game as he did last week, but the the Raiders understood like the spots they want him to get the ball in. Uh, Higby didn't really play a great game. Akers played pretty well though. Um, and they just, they hung around and they made it the kind of game that the Raiders weren't ready for. And it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's sad for the Raiders because they've underperformed all season. And I think this is just a game where, like, you see why the Raiders are 5-8 and eight this season. Because this is not a game they're supposed to lose at all. So getting to that point and losing, uh, embarrassing. And I had the Raiders defense, too. So it's like, oh, they'd given up three points and it's the fourth quarter. They're good. And then, boom, they just get sucked into a quicksand. And now they've given up 17 and hurt me in fantasy as well. But thank thankfully, Carlson, you know, bailed me out a little bit. But, you know, that's that's no consolation prize to the Raiders. I think they're technically still in it at five and eight, but they got to win their last four, which good luck. If you can't win that game, I, I don't see them winning out four in a row. It's, anything's possible, but... Good luck. Any thoughts on that game? No. It was bizarre to watch. There were also some shady calls, though, at the end. There towards were. the end. That yeah. I feel like if that hadn't happened, the Raiders definitely would have won. Well, the spread <clears throat> was six and a half when I bet it. Well, I didn't bet it, but when I picked the spread at six and a half, um, there, it's it seemed like an easy call, right? And then all of a sudden, you get to the Rams driving when it's 16-3, and them scoring a touchdown there cuts it to six. So there's a lot of like money riding on the line for that touchdown, and there's a lot of uh, holding calls that were conveniently missed on Max Crosby on that penultimate drive. He got held basically three times in a row, and they just wouldn't call it. So it's like, hey, we're not going to call this anymore, and the Rams are going to have a chance. Yeah, it was just, like, over-the-top blatant that that was happening. Yeah, just grabbing him around the neck and tackling him, basically. So, I mean, I feel bad for the Raiders for that reason because they got hosed on the no-calls mm -hmm. there. And, like, Crosby's such a good player and such, like, a standout player, like, in the league that you would think that he's going to get the benefit of the doubt at least one of those times. But Rob Havenstein, who was playing uh, right tackle there, like, he was getting his ass beat early in the game. I think they sacked Mayfield, like, four times in the game. So, like... The pass rush was there. It was coming the whole game, and conveniently on the last two drives, like, we're not throwing the flag for the Raiders once 
but we're throwing it on them every single time. Oh, and there was that holding penalty on the Raiders' defense on the interception that would have ended the game because they're getting beat. Their secondary is getting beat, so they just cheat and grab the dude's arm, and it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to call that for sure. We're not going to call holding on the other side, though. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you had the Rams at, like, plus 300 or whatever that was, that was a nice payout. Even if you had the Rams to cover, you probably got paid pretty well. Um, but, yeah, that was such a... All the money was coming in on the Raiders there to win. So, well, moving on, right? Final thoughts on that game? Nope, that was it. Baker motherfucking Mayfield. Two minutes to win it. All right. You're impressed by these new sound effects. I am. A lot has happened while you've been away. <laughs> All right, what game are we looking at? Uh, Jets at Buffalo. Jets, Bills. Um... Well, obviously, this is a big game for the Bills. Did you start the two-minute timer? I did. Okay. Well, let me give me a heads up on that so that I know, because now I'm wasting time right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I've picked the Bills every week, and for the most part, it's because I think they're going to win. Seeing them favored by 10 in a game that they lost in a really close game last time is a little, little suspect. I think I would probably take the Jets to cover this because you look at what they did against Minnesota last week and their defense is good. Uh, there's no doubt about that. So it's going to come down to whether or not the Jets can score on the Bills defense. And that brings into question all of the injuries that the Bills have been dealing with on defense. And Jordan Phillips is out. It looked like Greg Rousseau was going to be out and A.J. Epinesa was going to be out as well. I don't think that's the case. It looks like they're going to play. It looks like Matt Milano is going to play. And I believe Milano was absent from the last meeting between these two. And realistically, the Bills were up 14-3 in that game. And they blew it. So it's not that the Bills cannot beat the Jets. They're going to be playing at home this time. Uh, they just have to play within their style. And now that they've been running the ball a little bit better with a combination of Singletary and Cook... It's going to give them an extra layer to their offense that they didn't have when they played the Jets the first time. And realistically, like you take away some really dumb interceptions from Josh Allen in that first matchup and the Bills win that game. I think it was, uh, I think it was what, a one-point game? It's like 19 to 20 or something when they played the first time. So I'm not particularly worried about the Jets winning. But I don't know if the Vikings were either, and that game was close and ugly for a while, but the Vikings uh, were able to get it done. Uh, and so the Vikings have beaten both the Jets and the Bills. Okay, you can say time, just so oh, I know. Time. Okay, so we're going <laughs> to go... I don't want to interrupt your final thought. Oh, it's, it's okay. You need to let me know, so that way we don't ramble on for five minutes. Anyway, we're going to go Bills to win, Jets to cover the 10, and... You've been absent from studio a lot because you didn't want to um, spoil your picks. And to your credit, you've been winning a lot. Um, yeah. You've caught you've <laughs> caught up in the overall race. I think you're only down four now, but you've won like three of the last four weeks or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, you got you were thirteen one and one last week, which is impressive because even I went twelve two and one, and it wasn't enough to win. So, congratulations. You've been doing well. I don't know if you want to spoil it, Thank but you. Um, I know you've made your picks already. Do you want to say something about this? No, I think I'll keep my trend going. Ugh, if you pick the Jets and you're right, I'm going to be sick. <laughs> 
Time will tell. Rids picks. Rids is going with the Bills. Okay, what's next? All right. Uh, Cleveland at Cincinnati. Ooh, it's an interesting one because we've got the he who will remain nameless. <laughs> uh, did not play well in his first game back. And they were playing Houston, so it was kind of like their defense had to bail them out in that game. Uh, and the Bengals are coming off a huge win against the Chiefs. So it could be a weird situation where they they feel overconfident in this matchup. Uh, and this is a division game, so it's always going to be close looks like there was like an illness going around the Browns locker room as well. So you got a bunch of guys who didn't practice on Friday, unspecified. Um, is this game, this game is at Cincy. They're favored by five and a half. Really, this is a game that the Bengals should win by five and a half. They're, they've shown that they're the better team all season long. Uh, best case scenario for the Browns is that the guy playing quarterback plays better. But I mean, at this point, like, he just he hasn't played with the team enough to to make them a threat in my eyes and I don't think the defense is going to be able to do what they did to Houston so if the defense doesn't you know score all of your points for you then I, just, I think there's a big gap between like where the Browns are with this guy now versus where the Bengals are who just beat the Chiefs the only thing is like beating the Chiefs is such a big deal it gives the the Bengals like inside leverage to maybe sneak their way into the number one seed, but I, I just ugh, I have have some questions. Hayden Hurst is out for the Bengals, and other than that, it looks like most of the guys are going to play. Mixon is back from his concussion, which definitely helps them with him and P Ryan. Like those guys run really hard. So is Chase back? Yeah, he came back last week, and. It's just like just having him on the field is so dangerous, like even if he's not at 100%, which he was questionable. Um, all right, so I'm going to take the Bengals to cover, and I'm going to say over the 46 and a half. Thoughts? No thoughts? Nope. No thoughts. Okay. Rids picks. Rids likes the Bengals. All right, what's next? Uh, Houston at Dallas. Ooh, do I even need to look at anything for this? I, I don't think so. No, well, the one thing I want to <laughs> bring up is that uh, the odds for this game are astronomical. Really? Uh, it's crazy. So ESPN has it at a 95% uh, Dallas win. And the the actual odds are Dallas is minus 2,400, which means you have to bet $2,400 to win 100. Oh, my God. <laughs> So if you want to bet this game, just put ten bucks on Houston because they're plus uh, eleven fifty. And so there's an over under of forty four. I mean, realistically, Dallas should smack them up pretty good. I mean, if they score fifty something on the Colts, and ridiculous. They, well, they did a lot of that on defense too. So uh, you got Brandon Cooks out, Nico Collins out, Derek Stingley Jr.'s out. Um, I don't even know. I think they're going back to Davis Mills because he's like less bad than the other guy they had in. But it's like. Davis Mills looked like he was going to be the guy, and now here they are in year two of Davis Mills, and it's horrible all over again, and the Texans don't know what's happening, and uh, Kyle Allen being the quarterback uh, seems like that experiment's over, so I don't know. The Texans are definitely in the, the tank right now because they want that number one pick, and that'll be good for them, so 
definitely going to take Dallas here. What is the spread in this game? 20? No, I think it's 17. It's something, it's something ridiculous. Let's see. It is minus 17. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. So this is the <laughs> biggest spread of the season, the biggest money line of the season that I've seen, and an over-under of 44. So it's really like, is Dallas going to score 40 points on them? They should. Are the Texans going to score 10? I'll take the over. I'll take that. I'm going to take Dallas to cover the 17 and the over. Rids picks. Naturally, Rids is taking the Cowboys. Like a question. It's not a question. Okay. What's next? Um, Minnesota at Detroit. Uh, ooh, this is a good one. Uh, the Lions are actually favored, and I think it's the first time, or what I heard was that it's the first time in NFL history where a 10-2 and two team was the underdog against a 5-7 and seven team. But it tells you what people really like think about the Lions. Um, the Lions are not a bad team at all. Their record just kind of went sideways when they started one and seven but you know they've had swift injuries Amon Ross St. Brown Chark was gone Jamison Williams their rookie was out for much of the season as well then Hawkinson gets traded and it looks like I think I think they were one and seven at the time that Hawkinson got traded it looked like they were basically uh ready to tank at that point and then they sneak out a W and all of a sudden the NFC is so bad that the Lions are knocking on that door and I think for me I was holding on to the Lions being much better than their record for like so much of the season. But then by the time they're one and seven, I'm like, I don't know. Are they actually better than their record? Because they just keep losing. Um, but their only loss in their last five is against uh, the Bills. So they're four and one in their last five and they push the Bills to the brink. They beat a pretty good Giants team in the process. Bad Chicago, mid-level Green Bay and a mid-level Jacksonville team. Um, and then Minnesota, also other direction, they actually beat the Bills, and their only loss is to Dallas. So it's, it's not that the Vikings are bad, but when you look back at the game that these two teams played, um, when was it? It was week three. The Lions had them. They had Minnesota on the ropes. They were up late in that game, and uh, they made a mistake. They were up 10 in the fourth quarter. And at some point in the fourth quarter, they decided to kick a long field goal rather than go for it, rather than try to punt them down uh, and play field position. Time. Okay. Um, so this is a hard game to pick the Lions, but with them being favored by two at home against the Minnesota team that they almost beat, they're much better at home. I don't know. I just want to take the Lions because I took them the first time and they let me down. Uh so I'm going to take them again and hope that they don't let me down this time because they're more healthy than they were and their defense is uh, capable of getting some stuff done. So I don't know. Everyone's on the Lions. I'm going to take the Lions too. And let's see. 51 and a half. Let's have fun. They scored 51 combined last time. They both have bad defenses. We'll take the over at 51 and a half. Rids picks. Rids likes the Lions. What's next? Jacksonville at Tennessee. Ooh, the disgusting AFC South on display for everybody. Um, <laughs> sorry, you're gonna hear me chewing on that ice. My gut says Tennessee because they're, you know, the owners of the AFC South for the time being. The Jags are four and eight. They're realistically 
out of the playoffs at this point. The Titans are coming off a game where they got punked by the Eagles, but that game was close until until some flags came out that just were going to indicate that the Eagles were going to be able to basically do whatever they wanted. And like there were some bad flags that went against uh, or went in Tennessee's favor as well, but AJ Brown like committed murder on a guy and Sorry, I just want to clarify. He didn't actually commit murder on somebody. <laughs> just, be, just in case anybody's that. listening, he he committed on the field assault on Christian Fulton because uh, he's running a double move. So he runs up, breaks out, and as soon as Fulton moves to run parallel with him to the sideline, Brown just turns up field and bulldozes him, and they call Fulton for the penalty. Like, if anything, that's offensive pass interference. If you want to say it's incidental contact because Brown is trying to run his route, Fulton's trying to play his position, you can go ahead and do that. But when you watch it happen live, you can hear the sound of A.J. Brown's helmet as he lowers the head to make contact with Fulton and just, like, buries him. And then he runs wide open for the touchdown. So as soon as that happened, it was like, oh, they're going to just let him do whatever he wants in his revenge game against Tennessee. So I think... You know, the Titans are capable of winning this game, but the Jags are capable of beating them, too, because the Jaguars are in a position where they're not in the number one uh, tank spot anymore, thanks to Houston. So they're kind of like the Rams, where it's like, yeah, their season's over, but the only thing that matters is, like, ruining the season of some other teams. And I think, I mean, what is the spread here? Oh, time. Oh, okay, thank you. Uh, three and a half, Titans favored. Titans don't even need to win this game in order to win the division. Um, but, you know, they've got the better defense, and their run defense should be enough to take away the thing that makes the Jags most frightening. So I'm going to take Tennessee to win. Uh, I'll take them to... I'm going to take the Jags to cover the three, and we'll say under 41. Rids picks. Rids is taking the Titans. Okay, what's next? All right, it is Eagles at Giants. Well, every week I'm like, well, the Eagles is the easy pick, so of course I'm going to bet against them. And uh, they are 11 and 1, so that obviously backfires more often than not. They're favored by a touchdown here. And plus 270, the Giants, uh, over under 45. It's in New York. But it's like the Eagles score more, they give up fewer points, they put up way more yards, they give up fewer yards. So they're just, they're better everywhere than the Giants. The one thing the Giants maybe are better at is playing with injury and just Saquon uh, in general. Like, he's maybe more of a stud back than Miles Sanders, but, you know, the Eagles can go three running backs deep and get production out of Gainwell, Scott, Sanders, plus Jalen Hurts. Uh, he's going to hurt you. So I don't, I don't want to overthink it and think the Giants are going to win, but the Giants have been good, um, to be honest. Like, it's, it's not a fluke. Um, obviously, Brian Dable coming in has made a big difference for them. Uh, looks like they're missing Joshua Zuda at guard. Adore Jackson's out, which is not good. Shane Lemieux, guard, also out. Leonard Williams, defensive end, out. 
Um, and they're so injury-ridden that it's basically Richie James and... Um, why can I not think of his name right now? Is it Sterling Shepard? No, Slayton. There is Slayton. Shepard tore his ACL. Um, so, yeah, you got, uh, you got two guys, more or less, at the receiver position. Kenny Galladay may or may not play. Isaiah Hodgins had a touchdown, though. Ex-Buffalo Bill. I'm happy for him there. Um, but right now I'm looking at their wide receiver position here. Yeah, it's Slayton, maybe Galladay, maybe Hodgins, maybe Richie James. Um, but, yeah, don't want to overthink it. So let's just take the Eagles to win by a touchdown. And what was the over-under in this game? I know. I heard the timer. 45. Eh, division game, we will say under 45 rids picks rids is gonna follow suit and take the eagles what's next it is baltimore at pittsburgh Ooh, that's a good one because with lamar jackson out of this game uh it's tyler huntley time they're on the road they're eight and four uh they barely beat a terrible denver team and the Steelers, while they're five and seven, they're not nearly as bad as Denver. Uh, and I, mean, I know their offense has been an issue, and they, you know, scoring 16, 17 points for the Steelers is a win. But 16 or 17 for the Broncos would be five more points or so than they're averaging right now. The Broncos are absolute garbage. And it's not their defense, it's their offense. Because um, that game was, I think, nine to three for a good portion of the game. And you've got to think that with Jackson out, that's going to really hurt the way that the Ravens are going to operate. I don't dislike Tyler Huntley. Uh, he's actually very capable, but he's smaller than Lamar. So it's going to be a little bit harder on him to make some certain plays. Uh, Lamar is currently listed as doubtful. Hasn't practiced all week. Um, He's the and the only guy that's listed as out is Daryl Worley, who I don't even think is a starter for them. So I've been I've been like quietly riding the Steelers all season, and as long as T.J. Watt's playing, uh, he's questionable, but you know their season is basically on the line for the time being. So as long as he plays, I think they have a really good chance to win a low-scoring affair here i mean the over under is 36 and a half in this game so that tells you what you need to know but yeah the steelers score 17.8 per game and they give up 23.1 which you know baltimore is better at both of those they're better on offense they're better on defense but there's no lamar jackson so tyler huntley is going to have his work cut out for him especially with tj watt and a defense that's playing better and a team that knows they're still alive in the wild card so they're going to play as hard as they can for a while and they're what three and two in their last five but their only losses are to cincinnati who they scored 30 on and the eagles who they got beat up by but it's like okay those are two of the best teams in the league nothing to really be ashamed of there uh and then the ravens barely beat denver they lose to jacksonville they play a 13-3 game against carolina and then okay they beat the saints and they beat the Bucks. So if I'm just looking at the last five quality of like competition wise, I try not to lead that, uh, let that lead me down the wrong road too much. But uh, I'm going to take the Steelers to win and cover the two points at home. And we'll say under 36 and a half. 
Rids picks. Rids is taking the Steelers too. All right, what's next? Kansas at Denver. Ooh, well, as I was just saying, the Broncos are terrible, and I just don't know how they win this game. Like, they just don't score. So, even best-case scenario, their defense really does a great job against Kansas City, right? Kansas City averages uh, 30 points a game. So, let's say the Broncos' defense comes out, plays well, they hold the Bronco or they hold Kansas City to half that, and the Chiefs get 14 to 16, right? That's still more than the Broncos' average scoring. And I just, I'm done with the Broncos. I'm never picking them again the rest of the season. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to even dig into this one too much. Uh, I'm just going to use the simple math that's in front of me. The Chiefs are pissed off that they lost that Bengals game. And did you see how the score was the same as the last time they lost to them? 27-24. No, I didn't notice that, but what I did notice was uh, that in the two previous games, the Chiefs had double-digit leads on the Bengals, and in this game, they were only up three. But the Chiefs had the ball with the lead in the fourth quarter and fumbled, and then the Bengals, they just ran them over. And I don't want to talk about that game too much, but the reason that I think the Bengals were able to win that game is because the level of physicality, like Samash Pirine was, he, he made the Kansas City defenders like not want to tackle. And the way, like even Jamar Chase coming back from injury, like there's plays where I could see the Kansas City defenders, they're just like, meh, like I'm not interested. They would hit him and then he would just like fight for a couple extra yards and they would stop. So that game was more important to the Bengals than it was to the Chiefs, at least to like the Chiefs defense. Uh, and it shows the Chiefs defense is kind of weak outside of like their uh, their front four. But anyway, uh, Denver stinks. <laughs> and uh, surprisingly, this is only an 87.2% uh, matchup predictor according to ESPN. Uh, but I'll take the Chiefs. And because Denver can't score, I'll take them to still cover the nine. And we'll go under 44. Rids picks. Rids cannot pick an away team so she's going with the Broncos okay what's next uh Tampa at Frisco Ooh, the Bucks are so banged up that even after their big win last week the Niners with no quarterback should still be enough and I don't want to say no quarterback I just don't know the guy's name Brock Purdy is that it yeah that's it um but yeah the injury report for the Bucks is terrible um so I think the win that they got over New Orleans basically puts them in a position where they um, don't have to win this game against San Francisco. Like they, they made New Orleans four and nine and being six and six, they're basically the division champs at this point, uh, as long as they don't lose out the rest of the season. So even the Niners having guys like Bosa... Um, and Hassan Ridgeway both not practicing all week long. Uh, maybe they're just resting, but the fact that those guys um, didn't practice all week is probably not a good sign. Uh, they are also mostly in control of their division now, so they just got to be careful about Seattle. But yeah, Mike Edwards is doubtful. Antoine Field Jr., uh, doubtful, Tristan Wirth, doubtful, Akeem Hicks, right back to the, I mean, he didn't practice this week, so right back to questionable. I just, you know, 
I'm having a tough time believing in the Bucks at this point. And the Niners, this is a 50-50 game, surprisingly, because it's Tom Brady. You know, they're on the road. Uh, is this one of the, like, spotlight games, or is this an afternoon game? Do you know? Uh, I think it's afternoon. Okay. Yeah, yeah 125. So Niners are favored by three and a half. They're at home. And I think even though the Bucks' defense is decent, I think the Niners are going to be able to to figure it out. So it's like you've got a mostly like a good prideful defense that just won a Super Bowl a couple years ago up against a very young quarterback. I hear the timer. Okay. Um, versus an experienced 49ers defense against an offense that isn't really clicking but does have Tom Brady in it. And obviously it's hard to bet against Tom Brady because what we've seen over the last couple weeks should indicate that the 49ers would be a heavier favorite than three and a half. So... I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit here and just take the Niners to win, to cover the three and a half. And it's a game that the Bucks don't need after their win last week. Uh, so we'll say, we'll say over 37, though. Rids picks. Rids likes the Niners at home. Moving right along. Carolina at Seattle. Oof. I mean... Seahawks should win this game, um, but they like to do dumb things sometimes. They almost lost to the Rams last week. Uh, the Panthers, I don't know. People are telling me that they're good. Their defense is sneaky good. Like, I haven't seen that, but they're maybe a little bit better than being, like, bad. They're basically middle of the pack. Um, they, they definitely have a better defense than Seattle, who just hemorrhages yardage to give up 400 yards a game they have maybe the worst run defense in football but carolina's run defense is right there i mean they're giving up 135 a game their own so for me it's going to come down to is kenneth walker playing because he's questionable can the niners run the kind of offense that they want to run if walker's not in the game because other than that it's travis homer and dj dallas is also hurt um so he may not play all that much metcalf is questionable um, yeah, I, I just don't, I don't think Carolina's that good. Maybe Darnold coming back and having Deonta Foreman, like the kind of game that they play against Atlanta, where they're like, we're just going to play ground and pound football. We're going to make the game close. Uh, it gives them a chance in this game for sure. Uh, they're four and eight for a reason though. And let's see their last five. They lost to Baltimore. They lost to Cincy. They lost to Atlanta in overtime. Beat Atlanta. Beat a bad Denver team. Seahawks lost to the Raiders in overtime because of that run game. Lose to Tampa. Beat Arizona. Beat New York. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. How do I get off of Seattle here? I don't know. I'm feeling not confident. But I'm going to take Seattle. I'm going to take the Panthers to cover the three and a half. And because of the defenses, I'm going to say over 44 and a half. Rids picks. Well, Rids is going with the Seahawks at home. All right, we're back. What's up? What's next? Uh, Miami at Chargers. Oof. You know what? This could have been, maybe this was the game that got flexed into Sunday night that I thought was going to be the other game. I thought the Niners... Uh, versus the Dolphins is going to get flexed in. But this is the Sunday night game. And I don't know. The Chargers are getting Mike Williams back. But at the same time, this is not a good Chargers team. 
I mean, they're not bad. Like, being 6-6, six and six, whatever, that's okay. They're three-point underdogs, though, at home. They score less. They give up more. They put up fewer yardage. They give up more yardage. And the Dolphins' defense, like, isn't even good. So if you're giving up more yards and points than a Dolphins' defense, like, that's, that's frightening. Um, and this is not a San Francisco-level defense that the Chargers are going to put out there. So hard for me to believe that the Chargers defense will um, produce any more challenge to the Dolphins. And I think, honestly, that game for the Dolphins was a good learning experience because all you saw was that, like, if you don't have Nick Bosa on your defensive line, like, if you can't create immediate pressure on the Dolphins offense, it's very tough to stop them. And the Niners have Bosa, and they have a lot of other good players on the defensive line, too. And the Dolphins still scored a 75-yard touchdown to start that game. And after that, the Niners were able to pick up on what the Dolphins wanted to do. But what the Dolphins want to do is not a secret. It's just they operate very fast, and if you cannot interrupt their timing, then they're going to get you. So, you know, you've got... Uh, Trey Pipkins, doubtful on the O-line for the Chargers. Sebastian Joseph Day, defensive tackle, doubtful. Derwin James, doubtful. Bryce Callahan, doubtful. Um, and other than that, the Dolphins, like, they got a couple guys questionable. Teron Armstead at tackle, but nothing nothing major there. Um, and I think if you look at that game against the 49ers, if anything, the Dolphins learned how to play against a good defense because even though the Niners end up winning that game I think 33-17 that game's 23-17 in the fourth quarter with the Dolphins have the ball like that's not a game that's not a blowout like Dolphins are still super dangerous there Bosa had to come up and make a great play when the game was on the line and he did and you know Niners took over kicked the field goal and then I think they ended up uh with a fumble recovery for a touchdown as well after that so it got out of hand, but it wasn't really a blowout. So I'll take the Dolphins minus three. I think that's easy money. Uh, two bad defenses. Let's have fun. We say over 53 and a half. That's a lot of points, but um, it should be it should be a fun shootout, hopefully. Otherwise, uh, snoozer. I mean, I want the Chargers to win because that helps the Bills, but I, I think the Dolphins are actually a good team. So I, I can't hate on them. Rids picks. Rids is going with the Chargers. Okay. What is the final game of the week? New England at Arizona. <sighs> New England, Arizona. ESPN says 64.8% Arizona win. Jacoby Myers out, Jalen Mills out, Isaiah Wynn out, Trent Brown questionable, Damian Harris doubtful. Uh, they still got Ramondre Stevenson, though, but Rondale Moore out, Byron Murphy Jr. out, Rashad Coward out for Arizona. Patriots are favored on the road. And I get it, Arizona hasn't been good, but I think Arizona has some particular problems that they can present to New England that are going to be an issue, uh, primarily named DeAndre Hopkins. And I don't know that New England has anything that they can throw over there to try and stop Hopkins. Uh, I mean, Diggs had a good game against them as well. And, you know, Arizona is going to throw the ball to Hopkins like 20 times. So 
tough to say that the Pats are going to slow that down. Um, he he didn't practice on Thursday, but he's gotten a full practice in yesterday and today. I don't know. I think missing, honestly, Jacoby Myers, who's maybe their best consistent hands guy. Jalen Mills being out on defense as well. Isaiah Wynn out on the offensive line. Not good for the Patriots here. And this is a, I mean, technically it's an upset, but, you know, there's a reason that the matchup predictor has Arizona. There's a reason why the Yahoo app has Arizona also uh, mostly favored here by the picks. I don't know. I like the Cardinals here. I may switch off of it in desperation at the end of the week, but I think after what happened to New England last week at the hands of the Bills, kind of hurts. Is that two minutes? Two minutes yep. is up. Um, and I'm not going to rehash it too much, but with two minutes left in the game, you're down 14 points. Bills come out and take a knee, and the Patriots have all three timeouts, and they're just like, whatever this game's over go ahead go home like they quit and to me that's something that i haven't seen from like a bill belichick team i don't know if i've ever seen it because the game is still technically winnable you burn your timeouts you get the ball back with like a minute and a half you maybe score and then it's a one score game you kick an onside kick you try to make something happen the fact that they didn't try is got to be very concerning for patriots fans and i know like yeah arizona's defense is not great arizona probably give up some points to new england but i think this is a good spot for kyler and for deandre and for connor to all like play well enough and just ruin the Patriots' season and you know hey you're still beating belichick you're still beating the patriots so i think there's still something for arizona to play for and if they get to five and eight they're still in the wild card race so i am going to go with arizona surprisingly oh what is the spread in that game though i lost it oops Oh, Arizona, sorry, one and a half point underdogs, and we'll say over 43 and a half. Rids picks. Rids likes the Cardinals at home, too. All right, we've reached 50 minutes. We've covered all the games. I went over on a couple of those because I don't have the timer buzzing in my ear. Yeah. It's okay. We're still, we're under an hour. That's perfect. Yeah. I'm new at timekeeping, so. It's okay. <laughs> Thank you for rejoining. Do you have any... Do you, have any, me. do you have any actual thoughts on the games this week? I know we're in a weird fantasy position where you're in the playoffs. I am in limbo. I need to win, and I need one of the two in front of me to lose. And then I need to outscore one of those two by enough to win the tiebreaker, which all of that is possible. But with six teams on bye week, all of a sudden, like, everything is in flux fantasy football-wise. It's like you're in week 14 and all of a sudden six teams are like, oh, yeah, bye. Yeah. Is that I don't remember them having bye weeks this late. No, it's surprisingly late. I think realistically you try to do it by like week 12, week 11, get everybody in and out because all of a sudden I think last week nobody was on bye or two weeks ago. There was maybe one team. There's yeah. 15 games on the schedule. So that means only two teams were out. Yeah. I feel like the... Uh, the schedule or just kind of the the trend of who's out like all of a sudden there's many teams or many players on my team all out at the same time for several weeks in a row 
Yeah, because I'm looking at the matchups that I need to happen in front of me, like who I need to lose, who I need to win, and I see that the people that I need to pick up wins have major bye week issues all of a sudden, mm -hmm. and it's going to be hard for them to feel the team that would win. And it's like, it's the final week of regular fantasy season, so for them to schedule it this way, I mean, they the NFL knows all about fantasy football, so for them to do it this way is a little dirty. Yeah. I also, I feel like we're seeing more and more just kind of like shady calls to swing the game outcomes all of a sudden, or maybe I'm just paying more attention to it now. There's always shady calls, and it's like depending on who you're rooting for, you're always going to see it one direction or the other, but it's always in the games where it's like, I'm not really rooting for either team here, and I'm like, well, that's absolute dog shit. Right, yeah. Those are my final thoughts. Okay, well... Thank you for hopping back in here. I hope everybody who listens to this welcomes Kristen back with open arms. Thank you so much, Ben. Are you going to do this the rest of the year? We only got uh, four weeks left after this, and only three of them are fantasy relevant for us. So Let's see how I do in the pick this let's week. Let's see how you do in the pick <laughs> this week. Okay. Um, well, thanks for listening, everybody. Say the line. Happy Football Sunday. Yeah! There it is. Take care. Thank you to everyone who took the time to listen to the episode. I still believe that word of mouth is the best way to help, so if you enjoyed it, please tell somebody. But liking, subscribing, and sharing go a long way, too. This show is an extension of thescheiss.com, and you can contact me at info at or at Scheiss Podcast on Twitter. And until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Bills. Bills.